Today, we're speaking about skin conditions, skin diseases. Um, and we're speaking to a clinical dermatologist and the president of South Africa Melanoma Society, Dr. Dagmar Whitaker. Do you have a skin condition, a skin disease, a rare skin condition? Do you have a skincare routine that costs you thousands of rands? I have so many friends who spend an inordinate amount of money on skincare products. Are they buying the right products? Do we need to buy these products to begin with? Right? Are you battling eczema? Are you battling, um, a, a, you know, acne breakout? Do you have melanoma, for instance, or any other rare skin condition? Give us that call. The number is zero eight six triple zero two zero three two zero eight six triple zero two zero three two. And your voice notes on zero six one four one zero four one zero seven. Doctor Whitaker, thank you so much for your time and for joining us here on SFM. Really, really do appreciate it. Welcome to the show. It's an absolute pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. I hope that lots of people phone in and uh, we can hopefully address some of their questions. Yeah. Let's start here. Uh, what are some of the most common skin diseases out there um, and what do they do? Well, I think uh, the skin is the largest organ of the body. So, yeah. I mean, there's a wide variety of skin conditions and that really ranges from the uh, allergy-related conditions like eczema, then you've got chronic skin conditions which are genetic like psoriasis, which is really quite common. And then, of course, in this country, with all the sun exposure, you've got any form of skin cancer that could be basal cell, squamous cell, or malignant melanoma, all very, very much prevalent in this country. And, of course, a whole lot of other skin conditions which can be really detrimental to the patient because the skin as such has got a very big impact on your quality of life and your appreciation of life. And if there's something wrong with your uh, skin or your itching nonstop and can't sleep, you know, that definitely uh, affects your uh, quality of life profoundly. So I think it is an important issue to deal with. Yeah, uh, and and the list of skin conditions that are quite common. Uh, you, st you mentioned melanoma. What are the others? Yeah, as, as I say, so there's the skin cancers, and then the eczema would be one of them, which is which is very very common. Psoriasis would be uh, another one, which is very common, and acne, of course, in teenagers. So um, and then there is a whole group of. Um, pigmentation in the darker skin, yeah. uh, post-inflammatory pigmentation, which is hugely important and, again, having an impact. So, I mean, if you've got, like, one spot which is a pimple, which is fine, but then if it leaves you with a blue mark forever, then it's not. Yeah. So post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation is a huge, huge problem. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there are many, many skin conditions that affect the the well-being of the people. Yeah, so in the most common ones, let's dig into them. What what exactly is eczema? Eczema, basically, the true form of eczema is genetic and it is, in a nutshell, a barrier problem. So your skin, let's call it, has got holes. And um, because it has got holes, a lot of substances can go into the skin and then cause a reaction starting with itching, scratching, and uh, then the inflammation that uh, that takes place, and it becomes a total vicious uh, cycle. And of course, then there will that could be a uh, aggravated by internal 
uh, allergies. But the most important thing with eczema really is that one needs to address the barrier function of the skin and people are inherently more likely to wanting to have, say, for instance, a quick fix and take a tablet, but that won't work in eczema. So eczema revolves around application of creams and creams and creams. And, of course, together with that uh, avoidance of any kind of chemicals that could further go into the skin and aggravate the itch and the scratch. Because at each scratch cycle, that really is what is the base of eczema. Yeah. Psoriasis, uh, what's that? So psoriasis is basically, again, a genetic condition uh, where people, in a nutshell, just uh, make too much much skin. So it's a um, proliferative uh, skin condition, meaning that in patches uh, there are just red and flaky areas, and that can be just one or two spots like on the elbows or the knees, but it can be all over. And uh, so there is a wide spectrum of severity as far as psoriasis is concerned, and it can really, again, be very, very debilitating to the to the patients. And normally, I mean, they, they get seen by a variety of doctors and uh, given a whole lot of lotions and potions. And by the time that they actually see a dermatologist, they're completely despondent because they've been trying this and that and the other for 10 years. And it always comes back and nothing really works. And it's very frustrating. So I think that is definitely a condition which, if it is uh, quite severe, needs to be managed from the go, really, if possible, with a dermatologist. Mm-hmm. Um, and one that's come to a lot of conversation over the last couple of months um, you know, following the the Will Smith slap of of Chris Rock, has been Will Smith's wife's uh, um, you know skin condition. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith has a rare skin condition um, that uh, has become a headline issue, and a lot of people have been speaking about it. Um, but it seemed like that there was very little um, education out about it. You know, um, and you know now the conversation has started to come to the fore. And it's important that we raise this. Uh, one of the uh, skin conditions that came to the fore that I learned about very recently is alopecia. Um, yes. Do you want to tell us what that is? So alopecia, um, obviously there is a sort of normal, let's call it male pattern balding, which is again genetic and runs in families. That's not really what we are talking about. But alopecia uh, areata, which is a patchy hair loss, uh, is um, a stress-related, uh, stress-related condition, which uh, is again, I mean, a total vicious uh, cycle because you are stressing and your hair falls out, and then you're because the hair is falling out, you're stressing even more, and um, it is not that easy, not that easy um, to treat. And the other form of alopecia, of course, in the traditional uh, African hair. Uh, grooming processes, you can get traction alopecia and you can get the the alopecia that is caused by using hair straighteners and a whole lot of chemicals, which can be absolutely disastrous and uh, really need to be addressed because I think there's a lot of ignorance out there that uh, these conditions can be completely prevented. But once they have once they have uh, taken place, then often it leads to scarring and it's very difficult to actually alleviate yeah are there skin conditions and skin diseases that are not genetic 
Well, you know, skin cancer, for instance, is not genetic. I mean, that's exposure to the UV radiation. So, yeah. um, and um, there are a whole lot of other um, skin diseases, autoimmune diseases, for instance, which are also not uh, not genetic, uh, although they can run in, in family, but they're not strictly genetic. So I think there is a, there's a whole variety of, and of course, all the things that I've mentioned now uh, with, with hair grooming, uh, and alopecia yeah. that's just uh, that's just basically um, you know circumstantial environmental factors which have caused it and uh, but there is a lot of there is a lot of genetics involved in in skin whether whether it's your skin type or whether it's a, your hair type or whatever there is uh, at the bottom line it's a lot of genetics involved yeah um you know if, of course skin lightening products and um you know that as a as a result of our proliferation of these products coming off of the back of a highly cosmetic society uh that prioritizes certain types of skin beauty um is also a danger to skin health right how Absolutely. much how much of an impact does does skin products un, unchecked skin products have on skin health I think I think as far as skin lightening uh, products are concerned, I would summarize it in one word, and that's disastrous. I think there is, as you said, such a desire to actually uh, strive for a particular look that you want to achieve in any case. And there are sort of on the on the sort of black market products available which are absolutely detrimental for the for the skin and literally can cause uh, such damage and even scarring to the skin and I mean it's, uh, there are lots and lots of campaigns to try and uh, create awareness that those uh, products should be avoided at all costs and also I think in general I'm me personally I'm definitely not somebody who is promoting any kind of uh, expensive cosmetic routine which probably would make me very unpopular with a lot of commercial uh, um, parts, but basically um, the demands of your skin are very limited and um, I think the cosmetic industry is out there to sell you a promise, but not not necessarily a result. And yeah. I think um, there is so much half knowledge and as I say, there is so much advertising and everything invested that I think it's very, very, very difficult for the consumer to actually uh, find the right choice of products to use. But in general, uh, there's absolutely no way that you have to spend lots and lots of money on an on expensive cosmetic routine. Um, you know, I think as far as a lot of conditions are concerned, and that ranges from, from uh, sort of skin cancer to pigmentation, the sunscreen is absolutely essential. Moisturization is really important. The one probably would have to move away from the Vaseline type uh, products, which have been promoted for many, many decades. And what do you mean by that? More. What do you mean Vaseline type products? You know, the, a lot of a lot of the uh, cosmetic uh, products are based like on petroleum jelly, which right. is really like Vaseline, you know, and uh, that is not particularly good for uh, the skin because it tends to um, block your skin and then cause acne. Really? That causes, that causes pigmentation and, and, and. So 
I think if you just, uh, but I mean, if you say just with, with something like normal aqueous cream, as I say, you don't have to spend like uh, 1,500 rand on a face cream if you can buy a sort of 75 rand cup of aqueous cream or cetomacrosol, which is the same kind of uh, type of cream. And uh, so I think um, it is it is an absolute, I would almost say, warfare outside uh, out there. You know, I think there's so much money made with uh, people feeling that they are suffering from a condition, um, and that ranges really from male pattern balding, where they sell you anything at any cost, and goes to cellulite, where they promise you this and that and the other, and people spend fortunes on it. And uh, the pigmentation, they say, this will take care of your pigmentation. And there are so many really just blatant lies out there, which is really quite scary. And and as I say, there's not enough consistent uh, education available that Mm. would give a consumer the the angle to make up their own informed choice. And I Mm. think that is a real problem. Mm. Mm. That is actually a really big problem. Give us a call. 086-000-2032. 086-000-2032. Taking your WhatsApp voice note on 0614-104-107. Let's take a quick break. On the other side of this, we listen to some of your WhatsApp voice notes. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. Hi, Oliver. Bandum Chiselo here. Um, I've experienced a skin problem before for a long time since I was a teenager until around 2012. I went to a local hospital in Port Elizabeth when I still lived in um, in South Africa and they put me on a six months program where I was on medication and taking a lot of blood samples and tests and it worked wonders. Um, I never had uh, any pimple on my face ever after that treatment. It was not an easy journey, but it was worth it. Hi, Oliver. There is another skin condition that is called vitiligo. Like your other parts of your skin become lighter. It changes dramatically. It becomes lighter. It's a condition that a, a, a Lilith Kumalo is living with now. I just want to know what is the cause of vitiligo? If, if he knows what what is the cause of vitiligo is it hereditary or i don't know thank you thank you for that question Nomvula. uh doctor you want to respond to that yes so vitiligo is basically an autoimmune disease which means that your own immune disease uh, your own immune system uh, targets the pigment producing cells and destroys them so it's not that the pigment is destroyed, it's actually the actual cells which uh, make the pigment which are getting destroyed. And again, it is related to the basis of any immune disease is linked to stress and uh, hereditary factors and a healthy lifestyle and everything that goes with it. Vitiligo is uh, treatable in uh, particular there are two axes of treatment. Uh, if it's on the face, for instance, one can uh, use almost the opposite of sun, uh, of sunscreens, which is a photosensitizer, which causes forced tanning, and uh, that repigments the face. The fa- face does reasonably well. All the rest of the body does not 
do that well. Uh, and in particular, if there are bigger areas, it's very difficult to um, repigment. Although one can use light therapy, one can use eczema laser for areas. There are newer um, surgical um, methods that one can treat vitiligo with, um, like uh, cell transplants. But that is all more for smaller areas and not uh, for widespread areas. Vitiligo yeah. has got a huge, huge uh, impact on the person involved because in particular, the darker the skin, the, the uh, higher the contrast between the absolute depigmented white, white, white skin and then your normal surrounding skin tone. So uh, there is a, if it is very widespread, there is a possibility to do the opposite, to depigment the rest of the residual pigment if there's only a little bit of pigment left which means then, then one destroys all the pigment. But um, if one wants to go that route or not, that needs to be uh, sort of very carefully evaluated. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the previous comment was one around um, suffering with, with uh, severe acne as a, as a teenager yes. and then went to the doctor, got blood tests done, and is now on a product that yes. helped him quite a lot. Yes. Um, you know, my little sister's on that, that product. I think it's Oritin, right? Yeah, that would be Roaccutane or Oritane, which is basically a vitamin uh, A product, which is the gold standard of acne treatment, and we use it absolute extensively. Sometimes not even in the high dosage that that particular caller had for six months. Sometimes if you treat it earlier, one can also get uh, treat for a bit longer and use a lower dosage, which has got less side effects and all that, but but Oritane or Acutane, which is either tretinoin, which is a vitamin A product, is widely used, and I mean, it is the Rolls Royce treatment of any form of acne. So can I just take vitamin A supplements then instead? No, unfortunately not, because the dosage is, I mean, you would have to, the, to the equivalent of the Acutane dose, you would probably take a, take a box of vitamin A supplements a day. So, um, we are using very, very high dosages, and it's uh, just the way uh, the, the, it, it works. But it's, it's, there are different vitamin A products, but you can't, uh, you can't achieve the same effects with just the supplementation. Right. That leads me to this. Are there lifestyle adjustments uh, that people with skin care conditions uh, should consider or should actually make to be able to safeguard against that? Like, are there certain types of food, for instance, uh, that are bad for our skins? Are there certain types of products uh, that are bad for our skins that may not necessarily always be cosmetic products? Yeah, as I, as I mentioned before, I think I'm almost like stating the obvious by saying that uh, a healthy lifestyle uh, leads to a healthy skin, and that follows right through. So any amount of uh, antioxidants that would be a fruit, a fruit and vegetables and vitamin C um, is exceptionally good for your skin, while everything sort of like high, highly chemical, that's all your preservatives, your colorants, your junk food and everything, and of course, uh, throw alcohol on top of that, uh, is bad for the skin, you know, because your skin immune system, everything in the skin, every single skin condition in a way revolves around the skin immune system. Which is, by the way, different from the rest of the of the body's immune system. So the oh, wow. skin immune system, the skin immune system has got uh, really a very high requirement 
for antioxidants and to keep it healthy. So I think lifestyle, yes, I think it does it does play a role. And um, of course, you know, in this country, uh, I just have to put it out there and say it. Um, you know, sunscreens and sun protection uh, with sun protective clothing or whatever is really important because a lot of the the skin damage in this country is just caused by UV radiation. Yeah. And as I say, you don't have to you don't have to spend huge amounts of money. Uh, on an expensive sunscreen, you can use sun protective clothing, or if if you're an outdoor worker, sun protective clothing, and wherever possible, of course, like um, shade. Um, so it doesn't have to be an expensive uh, top of the range sunscreen, but sun protection as such is hugely important to prevent the aging of the skin and the, the, all these photosensitive uh, skin conditions and skin cancer. Yeah, how 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 badly impactful uh, is alcohol and dehydration to skin? I think it's bad. So you know, again, you know, we are talking we are talking about either keeping your immune system healthy or keeping it not healthy. Anything that contributes to making your uh, immune system not work a hundred percent cannot be good for the skin. Yeah. So, and and I mean that is a it's a very general uh, I suppose that uh, depends for your cardiovascular health and and your heart and everything kidneys as well. But I mean the skin in particular, of course, is at the interface between outside and inside. So I mean that's a huge area that um, can actually evaporate fluid and dehyd and contribute to dehydration and all that. that so it is certainly important. I've always. I've always heard this, but I never knew if it was true. Uh, does a healthy, active uh, workout routine help with your skin? Like, does it does it improve my skin if I go for a run, for instance? It certainly does. And as I say, I mean, it would it would because it increases, as I said, increases oxygenation to the cells, so it delivers oxygen if you are exercising and. It uh, gets rid of, uh, because of the increased blood circulation, gets rid of uh, sort of debris and bad products and everything. So absolutely, definitely. Smoking is another thing, of course, that should be mentioned, which is detrimental for the skin uh, on many, many uh, sort of axes from, because it has got a direct effect on your blood vessels, which then affects skin health profoundly. Yeah. So yeah. Yes, sure, there are, there are lots of things that one can do, but just uh, having a healthy lifestyle contributing to skin health. Yeah, zero eight six triple zero two zero three two. Give us a call zero six one four one zero four one zero seven. Send us your WhatsApp voice notes. Uh, it is half past eleven. Time for your news headlines with Dineo Mutaung. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. It is a minute after half past eleven this morning, and we're speaking skin health and skin diseases in our health feature uh, this morning on the Wednesday edition of The Talking Point. 86 0086-000-2032. That is the number to dial if you have a question for our uh, guest this morning, Dr. Dagmar Whitaker, who's a clinical dermatologist, uh, speaking to us about various skincare conditions. We do have a number of your WhatsApp voice notes that's come through on the WhatsApp line. Let's have a listen at them. Hi, Oliver. Uh, anonymous here in Cape Town. Uh, I have this thing, man, you know, at the back of my neck. Ne? It comes 
sometimes it, it can come like uh, uh, from around uh, August. Yes, it comes. It's like it's like it's like uh, what is it? Eczema like, but it just take a little part here at the back of my of my neck. I don't know if it's an eczema or what, but it's a little bit itch, it's a little bit itchy sometimes. But it is there. This condition. Uh, can you ask for me exactly what is it? It comes once a year, then eventually it just disappears after 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 some time towards december there and it has been coming i think now for the last 10 years thank you doc do you want to do you want to respond to that a little bit difficult put me on the spot but uh, obviously it does sound like uh, possibly a, a certain type of eczema or dermatitis uh, that would not be the genetic type of eczema. That could be the contact dermatitis type because it doesn't spread uh, all over the body or to other parts of the body. And what possibly actually helped to resolve it, uh, besides that I don't know what uh, the person applies to alleviate the, the cracking, uh, is in fact sunlight because uh, strangely enough that uh, sun or UV radiation uh, does help uh, as an anti-inflammatory, and we do treat eczema with UV uh, therapy. So it could. There are certain. Con- I mean, it's very really, uh, confusing for the for the patients, but there are certainly conditions which improve hugely with sun exposure, and then there are uh, conditions which get very bad with sun exposure. So, but I mean, normally, if if it is. If it is uh, spontaneously improving towards December, then my guess would be that it's a contact dermatitis of sort. And so he's alerted to something that he's got contact with and it's yeah. resolved in summer spontaneously. Yeah. yeah. Uh, should should this be something that uh, the listener takes to a medical practitioner? Is this something worth getting um, you know, medical attention for? I would say in the beginning, I would just use a moisturizing cream and see what happens because often if you just seal the skin and not allow any contact fragrance from a shampoo or a soap or anything to get into the skin, then maybe it doesn't even come out. So I would my first line of defense would always be uh, moisturization. And if that doesn't help, then one could seek medical help. Yeah. Let's have a listen uh, to a few more voice notes. Olivia is speaking to Onat. I'd like to find out from your doctor. Uh, I, I, re, I have re, killers that were removed in 2010. Uh, I was told they, they, they might come back, and indeed they really did come back. I'd like to find out your from doctor. What can you do? Like, what can you do for the killers for a killer to, when, if they come back, they don't come back bigger the way that they were? So I want to find out from a doctor. And the, the second question I'd like to find out from a doctor is it true that if you keep on putting ink on your skin, like if you maybe keep on writing ink in your skin, something might happen in, in your skin. It's not right to be considered putting ink in your skin. Uh, so let me let me start with the keloid. Uh, keloids are very difficult uh, to manage, and most certainly they can never be cut out. If you recut a keloid, chances that they are coming back again is almost 100%. 
So what's one, there are ways of treating it with uh, cortisone injections and some laser treatments. Sometimes it's a very big radiation. So there are ways of treating it, but certainly uh, cutting them out is not the way to, to treat kilo. They will always come back. And as far as the ink is concerned, well, it depends on if you just, uh, that, that's a difficult question because I think as such, ink is not bad for the skin. But I mean, obviously, again, if you've got a skin problem and your skin is dry and parts of the ink chemicals will go in the skin, then of course you will get the reaction. Um, but, and also, you know, if you, if you, so for pierce the skin, like what some kids do with a, with, with a ballpoint pen, you know, then you almost get like a, like a tattoo kind of reaction. So, I mean, it, it shouldn't be encouraged, I would say. Let's have a few more voices. I think we have a few more, Doc. Uh, we've got a few minutes left in the conversation, so I think we can squeeze sure. in two more. This is Derek from Flunger. I just wanted to ask uh, the doctor, the dermatologist, about collagen. Uh, it's uh, something everyone is talking about, type 1 and type 2 collagen. And I just wanted to find out if there is a huge benefit for the skin and the nails and the hair and tendons and ligaments and so on. That's a very good question. Hi, Oliver. Uh, would you please uh, uh, kindly ask uh, from me, from the gentleman in the studio, uh, I've always had challenges with eczema uh, for years since I've moved into uh, the Western Cape from the Eastern Cape. Um, the, the doctor have always recommended uh, cortisone creams, um, but I'm picking up over the years, I tend to have black patches on the sides, especially on the cheekbones on both sides of the face. Um, how, how, how safe are these uh, cortisone creams? Uh, I, I, the current one I'm using is mixed with Epizone A. Um, and I just want to know how safe these are for the skin, especially given that the skin are beginning to show blemish, that blemishes on the, on the, on the cheekbones. Thank you. Doc, do you want to respond to those yeah. two voices? The first one was on collagen. Yeah, so the, the collagen um, is and will remain controversial. I think initially the, the problem with the collagen products that were uh, commercially available were that collagen is a big protein, and by the time that you ingest it, which is normally the form uh, that you eat it or drink it, they get broken down into the building blocks like the amino acids, and there's no reason to suggest that you actually are um, getting any uh, reproduction or reconstitution of the collagen afterwards. So there are no, as such, theoretically, I think uh, it, it would be of benefit to think uh, to increase uh, collagen, but there are lots of unanswered questions as far as absorption is concerned. There are no studies out there yet saying that if you take a collagen supplement and you take a biopsy in the skin, you actually see an increase in collagen, which would be the, the final the final answer to that question. So I think at the present moment, some people say it helps, um, whether that's psychosomatic or whether there's a real effect, we don't know. I'm not saying they don't work, but at the present moment, there's certainly no real evidence to suggest that that uh, right. uh, collagen that you are injecting is actually doing anything. Yeah. So that's unfortunately that. Um, as far as the eczema is concerned, I think in eczema, the cortisone is a, is a good and the evil. There are definitely times where you will need uh, cortisone. 
if the eczema enters the inflammatory uh, phase, which means where it's red and irritated and itching, uh, there is unfortunately no way past cortisone. Uh, whether they should be encouraged on an ongoing basis is a completely different um, uh, question. I think in general one needs to really, really concentrate on uh, sort of moisturization as much as you can to not even have the need to use cortisone later. Try and find out what is causing the, the reaction. Is it some, you know, something some fragrance or something, some detergent that you are allergic against. So try and uh, find out what is actually causing it and then reserve the cortisone for the times that um, it is clearing despite you having done all the other things. Yeah. And just while we, are, while we are talking about it, a very important a very important point is which is often missed is that antihistamines, which are very, very freely prescribed to anybody uh, with eczema, they actually just simply don't work because it's not a histamine release reaction. So there is unfortunately, again, there's no shortcut uh, past the moisturization and the lathering of the skin with uh, moisturization and uh, antihistamines as a, as a tablet and a quick fix. Yeah. The, the best effect that you get probably is some of the antihistamines are sedating, which means you probably sleep a little bit better. Uh, but as far as an antihistamine reaction is concerned, that has got absolutely minimal effect on the eczema reaction. Yeah. And our last voice note uh, for this segment. Hi, Oliver. It's MXO here. Can you ask the doctor about seborrheic dermatitis? I've been struggling with that. How do I treat that? I've tried the cortisone steroids, but they're not working. I've given up. What is it that I'm supposed to do? The seborrheic dermatitis is classic, classic. It involves the face and sometimes sort of like the armpits and the chest and the groin area, but mainly the face. It is 100% number one to start with a a lipid barrier type moisturizing cream. And they are out there. You can buy them in any kind of discam or, or click pharmacy. And then on the face, I would strictly encouraged to use protopic, which is an anti-inflammatory and not a cortisone, because the cortisone will work while you're using it, but when you stop it, it will all come back again. And the protopic is a script item, but it is much, much better than than any of the cortisone creams. And uh, if you follow a strict moisturizing routine and protopic as necessary, you should definitely be able to control it. I mean, seborrheic dermatitis is not a condition that you cannot control, and it's not something to give up on because yeah. there are really good products available. Yeah. Dr. Dagmar Whitaker, thank you so much for your time. Really, really do appreciate it for your insights uh, and for answering all these questions. It was really an insightful uh, segment and conversation to have. I, I think uh, a lot was learned in this segment. Thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure. Have a nice day.